would be simply that. Let me start off with a short prayer here. Lord, why do so many people seem to resist your word? I am sad that so many seem to be insensitive to spiritual matters. Why don't they acknowledge you instead of defying? Why can't they see you made the world and everything in it? Why won't they recognize you? Help me to share Christ with these my friends and members of my family as tenderly as I can, seeking a response in them. May I continue to take care of them and have them whether they want to have anything to do with you or not. Lord Jesus, give me your strength and your endurance, your patience, your perseverance to be there for them always. Soften their hearts, Lord. I pray to receive you soon. Amen. God call you to worship through his word. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or, or rule of authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above you, heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Hear God's law and his will for your life. These are the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And bow your head and uh, confess our sins to God. Lord, you are the Father, and we are but dust and filth. You are our creator, and we are the work of your hands. You are our shepherd. We are your flock. You are a redeemer. We are the people that you have purchased. You are our God. We are your inheritance. Therefore, do not be angry with us to correct us in your fury. No longer remember our iniquity to punish it, but chastise us gently in your kindness. Your wrath is kindled because of our demerits. But remember that your name has been pronounced over us and that we bear your mark and standard and continue, rather, the work that you have begun in us by your grace, that all earth might know that you are God and our Savior. Save. Amen. 
receive these words of comfort from God. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Confess what you believe about the Christian faith. Reciting the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sin, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Glory be to the God the Father, glory be to God the Son, glory be to God the Spirit, every three and every one. As it was in the beginning, now and evermore shall be. Tonight's uh, little talk is going to be about uh, the problems of parents in this modern age. You can uh, look some of the stuff up, uh, actually, in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, if you want to read that. Um, there are many problems facing us today. There's this race problem we got going on that's been stirred up again and again and again, uh, which we're trying so desperately to solve. But the only one solution uh, must be a Christian one. There's a problem of security for the future. We want to know that we're going to be cared for in our old age. There are these problems of world conditions. We don't know what to expect of the nations. And at any time, we might plunge into the blood peat of war. Maybe the last war, war of all times. There's a problem of the government spending and our tax dollars. All they do is spend, 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 and then raise taxes. There's a problem of world hunger and foreign relief. But there's another big problem. The problem of being the right kind of parents and bringing up our children in the right way. The problem affects many of you today, many of us, because our, your children are around you. In a, in a few years, others of you will marry and have children of your own. So the problem is going to affect you. I want to try to help you if I can. America's wealth is not in her fine buildings and her fertile fields, her huge factories or great cities. Her wealth is in her boys and girls. As they go, so shall our country go. These children have been given to you by the Lord to bring up in the right way. Your biggest job is to be the right kind of parents to give them the right start of life. Your task as parents did not begin on the day your child was born, but years before. A group of women were talking about the time, uh, what time to, to begin training a child. One woman said, uh, 
eh, six years old. Another said uh, when he or she is one year old. Another said the day that he or she is born. One older and wiser mother said, yeah, you should begin 20 years before the child is born to give him the right kind of parents. So I address this message to those who are already parents and to those who will someday become parents. Roger Babson was visiting a large farm. His host showed him the fields and told him uh, what he had planted there. The process that he used, the kind of fertilizer he used, and uh, then he took him to his tool shed and showed him uh, that he was well acquainted with every piece of machinery. He then showed him his cattle and hog. He could give the pedigree of all of his animals, how old they were, how long he had had them, how much they were worth. He knew something about everything on his farm. After having supper, they sat out on the front porch. Suddenly, a car drove up, and the driver blew his horn. The man's daughter then ran out and got in the car, and they drove away. Mr. Babson said, uh, who's that young fellow? The man replied, oh, that's just some young fellow uh, taking Mary out. Well, what kind of man is he? asked Babson. I don't know, replied the man. She goes out somewhere with somebody every night. The man knew all about his farm, his cattle, his machinery, but he knew nothing about his daughter's associates or activities. Yet, she's worth more than the farm and all that's on it. And I'm afraid this is true about most parents. They know uh, about their business interests, their automobiles, their jobs, their children's associates, but the but very little about their dearest possessions, their children. If they go to church, that's all right. If they don't go to, that's all right. If they do well or not, that's all right. If they study or not, yeah, that's all right. If they go to bed early or late, that's all right. If they live a Christian life or not, no, that's all right. Oh, come on, parents. I... Uh, I'm pleading with you to give more time and thought and prayer to your children. But you can't do this if your own life is crowded with, with worldly things and God and the church are left out. Now let's think. Think of some practical things that you could do for your children. Think about them. Well, how about this? Uh, Someone uh, said that a new universe is created when a child is born. Well, true. So before the children are born, parents should prepare themselves. This means preparation physically. The Bible tells us that... Uh, the sins of the fathers and mothers are visited unto the third and fourth generation. Parents then should be careful about how they use their bodies. You can sin now, but it will pay off in the lives of your children. Uh, superintendent of an academy for the blind uh, 
in one of the southern states is making his annual report stated that uh, one out of every three blind children here is blind because of the sins of his or her father or mother. God's truth still holds. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Many parents sin and get away with it, but later reap the harvest in their children's and lives of their children. It pays to live a good, clean Christian life, for it helps to give the child a good start in life. This means preparation mentally as well. If you want to be a doctor, a lawyer, or a teacher, you prepare for it. If you want to be a good parent, you prepare for it. You won't always find the best advice on child rearing in the modern books on child psychology, though some may help, but the Bible can help you, and a good Christian doctor's is good to have also. So, this means preparation spiritual. When a baby's born, the parents should say, we'll work harder now. We have a bigger responsibility. And surely, we must live better. If there was ever a time for a man and a woman to rededicate their lives to God is when a baby is born into the home. Anna prayed for God to give her a son. She promised him if, if he would do that, she would give him over to God's service. God heard that prayer. Samuel was born. And his mother did give him to God. Samuel became one of the greatest men in the Bible, largely because of the godly mother and the touch of God on him before he was born. A couple in a, in a church were expecting their first baby, and and uh, they went to a, the pastor went to the home, and he knelt down, and he prayed that whether the child was a boy or a girl, it should live for the Lord. The parents said, that's exactly what we want. And God gave them a beautiful girl who grew up to be the bless of their hearts. So, that being said, uh, do you have the right kind of home? It should be a home where they are welcome. They do not come into the world of their own accord. They have nothing to do with it. Surely they ought to be welcome. Some parents say, eh, we, don't, we don't want any children. In their self selfishness, they miss one of the greatest joys of life. Others want children who can't have them. Either they ought to adopt a baby and give it a good home, or they ought to get involved in some church organization that helps the children there. It's God's plan. Where it is a physically possible for a couple to have a child. In the Bible, we hear several childless women crying out, Oh God, give me children and take away my reproach among women. Children should always be welcomed into the home. It should be a home where the surroundings are pleasant as well. God pity the child who is born into a quarrelsome, nagging home. The home may be poor, but if love is there, it makes all the difference in the world. A teenage boy once said, I'll be glad when I get a little older so I can get away from my quarrelsome home and have a little peace of mind. The teenage girl said uh, at one time, I know I have a 
been pretty wild, but if my parents had provided me a home where I could entertain my friends, I would not have done the things I have done. We owe our children a pleasant home, sure. It should be a Christian home. When a newborn is laid into the bed by its mother's side, she should say, I'm surely going to be a Christian mother and I'm going to grateful to God for giving me this precious baby. And when the daddy holds the baby in his warm arms and his strong arms for, for the first time, he should say, my child is going to grow up to have a Christian father. It's sad when a child grows up at home and finds out the best people around his home are Christian people and his parents are not. Surely you want your children to say, someday my daddy was the best man in the world. For my mother was the finest Christian I ever knew. Train up your child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. You can't get away from the truth. You may say, I know some who were brought up in a Christian home and in church, and they went far wrong. So do I. I know that. But if you look a little closer, you'll probably see that there was something else wrong. I know parents who are godly and faithful Christians, but their children went astray because they were pampered and never disciplined. Whom the Lord loveth, he chastises. If you love your children, you will chasten them for their own good. A woman came uh, up and said to uh, a, past, a pastor one day, he says, I can't understand my daughter. I tried to bring her up in the right way, but I knew something else that the mother hardly ever went to church and never to a prayer meeting on a Wednesday night. She gave practically nothing to the church, and the Bible was never read nor prayer offered in the home. What could the mother expect? Parents can never say they have done their best if those things are not included. You have to do that. You have to go to church. You have to take your children to church. Richard Cecil was a great man and a great Christian. He said that in his youth, he tried to be an infidel. He said he, he could overcome all the arguments except one. And that was his mother's Christian life. No, the children can never forget that. Here's a strange thing today. Parents have more time saving, more time saving devices than ever, but less time to give their children Less time to pray, to read God's word, to worship God. I'm thinking of a certain home. In the family, there are father, mother, and a little girl. The father makes enough money to care for them all in a good way. But they're not satisfied. They're not satisfied. So the wife works so that they can have more money to spend. What about the little girl? Each morning she's carried to a neighbor where she stays all day, going home at nightfall. Now the extra money might may be important, but I think the little girl is more so. The mother ought to be at home to give the little girl a mother's care and to teach and train her in the right way. You wouldn't want somebody else to bring up your daughter or your son, and that's exactly what happens now. I could multiply this case by hundreds. I know it's necessary in some cases for mothers to work, but not in the majority of situations. 
The children are left to grow up in lacking home and in the home training they ought to have. Proper home training includes discipline. Rod and the reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. He, he shall give delight unto thy soul. Proverbs chapter 29, verses 15 through 17. Why do children misbehave in church and school? Because they're not disciplined at home. By discipline, I do not mean cruelty, but loving correction. Of course, the children don't like discipline, but one day they will thank God for it. The Bible tells us that no punishment is pleasant now, but afterward it brings the fruits of righteousness. This young couple had a son, and he came home from, from the service one weekend. And they were in church on a Sunday, and the child in front of them kept misbehaving. After the service, this couple's son said to the mother, Mother, I'm glad you taught me to behave in church instead of leaving me alone to become a spoiled brat. Go to any prisons today. You'll see young people. Why? Because many of them were not disciplined in the home. They became disobedient to their parents. And this led disobedience to the law and then into in prison. That's where they went. Proper home training includes teaching the rugged principles of life. Honesty. Lincoln walked three miles to restore six cents to a customer with whom he had made a mistake. We have honesty like that today? I don't think we do. Not as much. There's people out there, but unselfishness. Teach your children to share with others. Let them learn that others come first. Politeness. It seems that uh, this art is uh, lost in many homes today. Need to teach them politeness. Hard work. The young man in penitentiary said, uh, this is the first work that these hands have ever done. No wonder. No wonder he landed in prison. Cut the grass. How about that? That's a good thing. I know my son's growing up. We all work. We work together. That's how they learn. Hard study. They did that because you want them to be fitted for life. So they you teach them to study hard and aim in life. Have them set a goal, not just drift along. What do you want to be in life? What do you want to do? Let's, let's find out. Let's set a goal for you. Purity. This means sexual and all other kinds. It's easier to ball out your children for doing wrong than teach them to do what is right. But if you don't teach them the right things to do, it will be your fault if they do wrong. A good rule to follow is to condemn a little less and command a little more. Look at the relationship between God and his son, Jesus Christ. At his baptism, the father said, My son, you are doing rightly, and I am pleased. On the Mount of Transfiguration, he said, My boy, I am pleased with your life. We ought to do more commending work than when it's deserved. Parents can see that their children are given a good education, they need to. 
A high school graduate uh, has 87% better chance of succeeding in life than a grammar school graduate. The college graduate has an 800% better chance to make a good than a high school graduate. There are many notable exceptions, but this is the general rule. A good education pays off in dollars and cents. Statistics shows us that the high school graduate makes $24,000 more in his lifetime than a non-graduate. So that means it is worth $6,000 per year to go to high school for four years. Pretty good for a teenager, but a college graduate makes $56,000 more than a high school graduate. This means it's worth $14,000 a year to go to college for four years. These are just figures that are thrown out there, just to give you an idea. Um, these are not guaranteed figures at all. They're, they're an average. Education opens the door to money, fame, and usefulness. The best men in the world have not been ignorant. Men. Parents do well to help their children to get the best education, but let, let it be a Christian education and a fine Christian school. Here's an example you can set before their children. A smart fish noticed that crabs uh, always walk sideways and backwards. So he opened a school to teach them to walk straight. Every Monday, he gave them an hour of intensive training. When they went back home, they would be walking straight. But the next Monday, when they came back to school, they were walking as crooked as ever. The fish who was a teacher confided in an older and wiser fish who said, uh, you teach them for an hour a week and they begin to walk straight, but they go home and see their parents walking crooked. Your hour of teaching cannot outweigh a, a week of bad example. We have your children for a little while on Sunday and teach them the best we can, but if they see you living the wrong life in your home, you undo the good work of a Sunday and they walk in the wrong way. A Georgia preacher stopped over in a small town to change trains. Um, he had a few minutes to wait, so he walked down the street. And he saw a boy in a yard and said to him, uh, do you ever go to church uh, in Sunday school? The boy, the boy replied uh, that he did not. Does your father or mother or sister ever go? And the boy replied, no. So the preacher went up to the porch and asked the father and mother if they ever felt they should go to church. The father answered, no. There are too many hypocrites in the church. A few years went by, and the same preacher was called to be the pastor of a church in that particular town that he uh, stopped by. One day, he received a request to go to a certain home where they were in trouble. To his surprise, it was the same home he stopped in years before. He learned that the boy had grown up, had become a criminal, and was to die in the electric chair the next day. That the daughter had committed suicide and shame the week before. The mother had lost her mind and kept on crying out, Church, church, church. You may not be a bad sinner, but if you leave God out of your home, if you don't set the right Christian example for your children, you will pay the price someday. The child follows the example of his parents. If the parents are worldly, if they neglect the church and their Christian duties, if they criticize the preacher and the church members, 
the children are likely to grow up in the same way. If you live a godly life with the church and its center and do the best you can, your children will most likely grow up to bring joy onto your lives. A little girl in the city uh, where there's where this pastor came to uh, go to school, um, tipsy, came in tipsy with a liquor on her breath. Usually she was very quiet, but uh, she entered the schoolroom and said uh, hi to the teacher and began to talk loudly. The teacher took her home and told the child's mother what had happened. The mother laughed heartily. The child had been sick and was told to go to the bathroom and take a dose of cough medicine. But she took down the wrong bottle. The bottle that contained whiskey drank from it and then went to school drunk. If the parents had been what they should have been, there would have been no whiskey in that house. Seems kind of old-fashioned, doesn't it? But it's true. If you ever needed to pray for your children, it's now. The whole world is against you, trying to drag your children down. You need God to help you. This young woman came to J. Wilbur Chapman and said, Mother and I are going to pray all night for my brother. He had not been to the services. They prayed until 3, 3 o'clock in the morning. When the mother said, that's enough, I believe God has heard our prayers. The next night, the boy was in church, and he came forward and confessed Christ as his Savior. He told Dr. Chapman that he was unable to sleep, and at 3 in the morning, he had given in to Christ. That was the hour his mother felt that God had saved him. There was a pastor in Chicago. Uh, he visited a certain home and told the maid that he wanted to see the lady of the house. The maid asked him uh, if anyone asked him if anyone was sick or hurt. He said, no, I'm just paying her a pastoral call. The maid said, she is upstairs, but she prays from 9 to 10 each morning. So you'll have to wait until 10 to see her. He waited for her till uh, 10 o'clock, and then she came downstairs. The light of heaven was shining on her face. Pastor, she said, I, I'm sorry. Sorry I kept you waiting, but I pray for an hour each morning for my three children. The daughter became a missionary, and the two sons became preachers. No wonder. She prays. Parents, I know uh, you're busy these days, but but don't be too busy to pray for your children. God knows your hearts. He knows your problems. He'll answer your prayers. He'll help you. I warn you not to wait until your children are grown up before you start praying for them. Start before they're born. And don't leave it all up to God. Live rightly yourself. Pray that God will help you out. In many revivals, in many churches... You look around, you'll, you'll see mothers. You can see mothers who have lived worldly and prayerless lives. They suddenly woke up. Pray for my boy who's 18, he would say. Pray for my girl who's 20 and out in the world. I would like to see her saved and living a good Christian life. I promise to pray for them, but I feel like shouting. 
Oh, dear mother, why not live for Christ and set the right example and pray for them yourself? Why not take the spiritual interest in their lives when they are young and in the plastic state? In a beautiful scene, we see mothers bringing their children to Jesus to receive his blessings. Every mother ought, every mother ought to bring her children to, to Jesus to be saved. Joseph was the head person in Egypt. His brothers came down to Egypt to buy grain. But did he not make himself known to them? When they left, Joseph commanded that the young brother, Benjamin, be left in Egypt as a hostage. Judah came up before Joseph and said, uh, Benjamin is our father's youngest son. He loves him. So how shall I go up before my father if the lad is not with me? Oh, in the last day as we meet God, how can we go up in peace if we can't take our children with us? A man tells of visiting an insane asylum. He heard a woman inside crying out. We let her slip. We let her slip. He then heard the story behind this cry. The woman came from a wealthy home, but a home where there was no religion. The girl went to a revival. She was greatly stirred. She went, wanted to accept Christ and join the church. The preacher visited the home and said to the mother, your daughter is interested now. We mustn't let her slip. But the mother took the girl away from the meeting and took her to parties and movies and other places. A few months later, the girl went down into sin and disgrace and died without Christ. The poor mother was lost her mind and kept crying out, we let her slip. We let her slip. Parents, be careful. The lives and the destinies of your children are in your hands. Don't let them slip. All that I'm saying here can be summed up in this way. If you parents will live faithfully for Christ and in his church, if you will set the right example and teach and train them in the right way, if you pray for them and teach them the word of God, if you give them a good home, if you love them and lead them to Christ, most of your problems will be solved. A worldly college girl found Christ as her Savior and, and went home happily. Christmas time. Her parents were very worldly and expected her to do the things and go to places she had done and gone before. But she says, I have found one. What I love better than any of these things. They said, we'll give you 24 hours to think things over. If you insist on going on in your new way, you must leave our home. What did she do? What did she do? She packed her bags and got ready to leave. Then she went over to the piano and played and sang, Jesus, I've made cross, I've taken all to leave and follow thee. Her parents broke into tears and said, We understand now. We will go with you and follow Jesus too. Oh, that we could get all our parents and children to make that decision. Their lives would be sweeter and better and happier and more useful. Together, we would climb the heights that lead to the last, to the heavenly home.
and there'd be something. As you listen to these words, let God enlighten your heart and mind. Almighty God and most merciful Father, we humbly submit ourselves and fall down before your majesty, asking you from the bottom of our hearts that this seed of your word, now sown among us, may take such deep root that neither the burning heat of persecution cause it to wither, nor the thorny cares of this life choke it, but that as a seed sown in good ground, it may bring forth thirty, sixty, or a hundredfold as your heavenly wisdom is appointed. Amen. Let's bow, your, bow our heads and uh, make your request to God. Your own personal request. Please pray for the church. Please pray for the world. Please pray for all these things, members of your family. Please pray for the parents of children growing up in society today and these children as well. Guide us, O Lord, in all our doings with your most gracious favor. And further us with your continual help that in our works begun, continued and ended in you, we may glorify your holy name and finally, by your mercy, obtain everlasting life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let's take another minute here and continue in prayer. closing let's pray the words that Jesus taught us to pray our Father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
I thank you for joining uh, me here today and listening to uh, Worship with a Templar Knight. Now, becoming a Templar is uh, not an easy task. It's not an easy task becoming a knight. There's lots of things to go through. And if you're interested in helping your community and helping our order grow and study in the Word of God, enjoy lots of uh, camaraderie, please feel free to uh, go to our website. That's www.americannightstemplars.com. Again, that's www.americannightstemplars.com. Um, if you have any other questions, you can also email me. My name's David, and you can email me at davidr258 at comcast.net. Again, have a blessed evening. Thank you for joining me.